Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Canada Cicerone Live. After 16 episodes of fashion and lifestyle dialogues in fashion fraternity in Ahmedabad, we are very excited to bring you two mavericks who have been pushing the envelope of fashion like nobody's business. Welcome Gaurav Jai Gupta, founder of Pakaro, and Jaina Lalthai, founder Style Audit by Jaina Lalthai. Thank you for having us here. Thank you so much. We are so excited about what is going to unfold later. But before we do that, let me kind of give a brief of uh, a little background of yours so that people are conversant with what we are going to talk about today. Um, Gaurav has been pushing the boundary of fashion textiles, the way the yarns are being created, seen and perceived and worn after that. Whereas Jaina has been trying to change the way Ahmedabad and in Gujarat probably dresses the way uh, they have been dressing by bringing in amazing curation of designers through last three years. Uh, to give you a long description of what Gaurav has done, I'm, try I'm, I'm going to kind of cut it a little short here, but give you an idea. He's a fashion textile designer from NIFT and Chelsea College Party in Design London. He's collaborated earlier with Jimmy Choo, Duro Olivo London, and Hempstead Paris, besides prestigious Bullmark and Raymond's for cool wool menswear in India. He's won Innovation Award at the Grazia Young Fashion Award and the Designer of the Year for Most Commercial Collection at International Apparel Fashion Federation Award in Mexico, besides not many other awards. On the other hand, Jaina Lalthai is a qualified lawyer who specializes in mergers and acquisition and worked at Amar Chand Mangaldas before she started Style Audit by Jaina Lalthai three years ago in Ahmedabad. 30 designers and more than 14 showcases she has a strong belief to change the way Ahmedabad dresses. Her education in finance, her education in fashion merchandising from Boston and marketing from Howard has indeed proven instrumental in her business acumen and fashion curation. I am already excited to ask a lot of questions. So Gaurav, let's begin with you first of all. What led you to experiment in Indian views? And uh, the market is turning, like currently when you look at the market, it's turning inwards, turning very um, handcrafted and very local. What made you experiment at that point in time when you started Aparo in 2010? So I, I think it was accidental. I didn't really plan anything. It just happened and I trained in woven textiles long before I did handloom became a very trendy world. Sure. So I've been doing handloom since my college days from almost 2001 to 2000 actually. Okay. So it's pretty much almost two decades now. Right. So I've seen the evolution of the industry overall, the understanding in terms of what people, how they perceive, how they wear, how they consume the whole idea of what, let's say, textiles is, what does it mean to be Indian fashion designer, or what does Indian fashion specifically, let's say, mean? Because I think there was a point when we used to refer mostly from the West. Sure. So it was very borrowed, and I think in the last 10, 12 years, we have really grown our own industry, which is aesthetically evolved, I think in terms of material that is involved, and overall there is a larger ecosystem now where people understand, they buy, they in a way love what we do, and it's growing, it's only growing. So, so I think my work is largely being contained in the space of engagement with textiles, rather than looking at what is going on, what do people buy, Who's doing what? I'm not really looking into that. I've just looked into why I was doing it and you know, 
what really pushes me to do it, what I actually want to do, which is again kind of keeps changing. But I also get very bored of what's out there, so I think I don't like 90% of what exists because it's very, very similar. So when you look at everything, it almost everything looks the same to me. Correct, correct. So, yeah. So which is which is the whole idea that I think what makes your fashion maverick is uh, pushing the boundary, right? Uh, because everybody else is catering to what a mass uh, wants. When you made a decision, did you say which is pretty incidental that happened? Did you kind of face a lot of challenges because you were doing something which was very different? What were the challenges? Because I'm sure people would be interested to know about that. So it's, it's as I said, it started accidentally and unknowingly also. And for the first seven, eight years, even after the car started, I was just making. I was not really, I think, too bothered about the finance side of it or the commercial side of it. So I was more interested in the idea of what I was doing, making. And it's been, I think, full of struggle right from day one. And I think till date, it's not, I don't think that has changed. That's one area which has not changed. So one is to make people understand that there are different narratives. So we have a larger single narrative in India, which is handloom, khadi and all that. And today is a national handloom day. Correct. So correct, I've correct. not made a single post till now on that. You know, <laughs> I've been getting messages from people. So everyone is like... It's a contemporary national handloom day. I think you could take it that way. Yes. People. Yeah, so but, but for me, it's mostly, I think, there's been struggle pretty much on every stage. So A, in terms of, let's say, what we were doing aesthetically, Yes. In terms of the brand narrative, commercially, we don't do, we don't endorse Bollywood, we don't do celebrity dressing and all that. So a lot of larger mass audience also don't know too much about a car because we stay away from the very, let's say, what is the usual format. Sure. Yeah. And you know, this actor is wearing, that actor is wearing. We don't do freebies. Right. So if somebody is buying it, then they must have bought it. Right. Uh, and I think so. We have kind of gone against the tide. Pretty much, uh, in a in larger sense, and uh, I think the idea is to, as I said, engage with the medium and the craft more than anything else. And also, we are not looking at the whole idea of let's say we are not reviving it, we are not doing all that. So yeah. it's it's majorly it's just that I like doing it. So I say I call it happiness in handloom. Happiness in handloom. Happiness on handloom. So on which is handle. so which is why we do more because I like not trained in. Right. So that is my reason. Not that oh, everyone is doing it, so you do it. And you started way back, so I think that goes to showcase yeah. that. Yeah, yeah luckily. <laughs> Fantastic. So Jenna, um, 14 showcases, more than 30 plus designers, and the last showcases have been like one of my favorites. When Zindadu coming to here now, what makes you do this? Go against what everybody else is doing and how are you taking this risk in the city? <laughs> so I'll tell you, um, like he said, you know, that resonated a lot with me. For me, Style Audit also was a very incidental thing. I may um, have studied in fashion merchandising and then done marketing later, you know, in, at Harvard, but I was not really sure which path I would take. I actually floated Baby's Day out way before I started um, Style Audit. Sure, right? yes, yes. So after yes. I studied, I actually went down to the baby space. Right. right. And that was a lot, also a lot of uh, thoughts as a young mother. But fashion was something I think that was just, it, it was meant to come out. Because 
there was just so much of it in me, you know, that yeah, yeah, uh, so it was, it was very coincidental. Um, see, this was, I'm talking about three years ago, you know, where Instagram was not as um, prevalent, so to sure. speak, like yes. everybody was not yes. on it. Yes. And uh, I found so much joy in finding these labels, these prep labels. And I just thought there was such a big vacuum in the market. So if you see all of my shows, they mostly, I mean with the exception of Akaro this time, they mostly focus on prep wear. Because I feel that, you know, everybody is ready with those heavily embellished lehengas and all of that, that, that jazz is available everywhere. True. But things that we wear way more often, why is that an ignored conversation? So I started, put, you know, buying from these labels from all over India and uh, I was very, I loved Fashion Week. So kept meeting with different Fashion Week designers and what I saw was that whatever I wore every single time got appreciated and like lots of it. And then I started thinking that if people like my style, let's just do something which is an extension of me. So um, it, it literally started with that thought and you say Rimzim, right? So she did sculpted metal and I I had decided two years ago that when the time is right, when I've pushed Ahmedabad just about enough, I will get Rimzim to town. Right. And I did that and yeah. I planned this show like literally, I had spoken to her at least a year ago before I got her and it was so well appreciated. So the reason I take risks is because I think Ahmedabad is absolutely ready for it. I, I sometimes think a year into the future as to who I will be getting and sort of prep my way into it. With every single show I have done something risky, something experimental and it has most of the times paid off. I think it's the idea of being the front runner or probably? Probably, yes. And I think today Ahmedabad, the women that I see, the women I deal with, they are more than ready. They, they have that attitude of bring it on, you know, we want to see. Because they themselves want their style to constantly evolve. So I took a very like zeitgeist sort of an act. You know, uh, approach, approach to towards it. fashion, yeah. and I went like complete, like I deep into it. it completely. And I would say the Ahmedabad women are loving it. Loving it. Yeah. So moving on to the experiences of the metros and the non-metros, um, what's your experience? How you, how has your journey been with Akaro in terms of reception? In terms of the cities, you mean? Yeah. In terms of cities, you know, especially cities, why? Because I ask, you have come to Ahmedabad. I mean, of course, you're going to see the response now. But uh, what what made you choose Ahmedabad after such a long time? Like after, let's say, about 10 years? And how has it been in Delhi, Mumbai, Bangalore, or Chennai, which, is, which are little more evolved markets? So I don't think there is any difference, honestly. It's yeah? just the percentage in terms of numbers. It's the ratio. Okay. So Delhi, if you have 100 people, here you would have 10. It's, it's simply the scale, uh, definitely because you have buying power, you definitely have like a larger number. But I think in terms of the work, the kind of work which we do, it was the same effort, be it Delhi, be it Bombay, be it anywhere else. Chennai is one of the few cities which I actually found more interesting because I think I realize people understand what I do. And it also goes back to looking at the it's a history of a city. So Chennai is largely a lot of industrial houses and it's old money as well. So people have an understanding of the craft and it's a little subdued. Also it is a textile place like Chennai. Normal uh, layman also would be very well versed with what textile. Yeah, but you know what, what happens I think with Akaro basically is. So you know the, the whole idea of textiles and 
let's say, so textiles translates into value as well, value translates into tradition. Yeah. So we basically, as an industry, play to the gallery, mm -hmm. which means you either work on nostalgia, you work on tradition, everything is about the past. Sure. You know, so you pick up something, you kind of work around it, you do, you kind of really do a completely new, interesting, fresh version of it. So there are some really amazing people who are doing all those kind of things. Where I think Akaru comes in is we we are about the future. So we are, we are literally thinking thinking about what does it really mean to be in contemporary India in 2019 and what somebody who has got nothing to do with. So so for me, I am not interested in the history of the past because. Yeah. Also, I think I come from a smaller city, and I think so. For example, if you are Khadi, we have grown up with Khadi, and you know you have those sad-looking stores. You basically take it for granted. Yeah. So you don't. There's no aspiration. There's no aspiration. Yeah. And my overall work has anyways always been about. I just I think I live in the future. Sure. So I'm a very anxious person. I just keep thinking about what's going to happen. You know. So I'm very interested in technology. I'm very interested in future largely. I'm very interested in right now, let's say, a lot of mysterious AI, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So how do you really culminate that into something as simple as the craft or the, I mean, because I do hand loops, so let's say hand loops, but it also, I think it's, it's, it's something which comes naturally. I mean, this is the only way I know, so it's not really, you know, that you look left and right, but in terms of the cities, I think, Ahmedabad is also, interestingly, according to me, one of the key cities for Indian textiles. Yeah. Yes. It is actually the epicenter of the entire craft and design movement. Uh, or I would say Calcutta, only two cities. Calcutta is more craft, I think Ahmedabad is more textiles, craft, like you you have the only one of the only museums Calico is here. Precisely. You have an idea, you have Precisely. Absolutely. And also a lot, of, a lot of designers live here and practice here right? and then they work outside. Like the work gets, in a way, you know, it gets known. Uh, yeah. So I think the idea also of coming here was, you know, sometimes people don't know that something like this exists sure. and they don't have access to Correct. So Correct. our job is to give them access and then see if they like it very well. But I think they will because as she said, I think not just in Ahmedabad, I think overall India is ready as a country for something very radical. Now. Right, right. I think I think the fashion scene in India, I pretty much find it very boring. I think it's very, very boring. It's very Bollywoodized, I believe, and very it's, Indian it's, traditional. I think he's doing the same, same thing. Same is the right thing. So, exactly. so, 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 yeah, and I think also real India for me sometimes lies in, it's outside the Bombay also. Yes, you know, if course. you really want to. Yeah. Actually, I think people need to know. It's it's just that we as labels also need to connect with, yeah. with all yeah. the cities, all the people, and every city has it. Not Ahmedabad, even smaller towns. You know, every city has that crowd. It's always we need to cultivate it, and they need to find us. It's 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 from both ends. Yes. So coming to cultivating that, yeah. uh, I think uh, you are one of those uh, fashion entrepreneurs which I always feel is trying to create a demand for something and then supplying it also totally, right. you know. What are the challenges that you see in this, this entire gamut? I will be very honest, Pangani. I don't think I have, um, I have seen too many challenges. From, the, from my first show, which huh. just was born out of a whim, literally, you know, to this one, which would be my, I think, 14th one. Um, I, I think I, what's been my blessing is that I have really tapped into the right segment to market to. 
women um, so the women i speak to the women i cater to who become uh, style audit loyalists you know these are women who always um, were seeking this sort of satisfaction out of anger sure they were always seeking it so i speak to a small community of women probably 200 300 but those women are the women who always want their wardrobes to evolve their personal style to evolve i have believed clothes don't have a functional value hmm. they go way beyond a functional value and they can transform your identity correct it's an expression of identity right. so that is the thought i was bringing into um, all of my shows yes and you won't believe before i do any show or get any designer i have to own that designer Ah, which which is, is, yeah, because and I just don't, you know, um, work with anyone who approaches me. Hmm. That is not the benchmark here. So hmm. um, I think for me, the process of curation has been so honest and true, and I have always been very vocal about it. That uh, my people who I talk to, they understand that. They see that sincerity and honesty, and that's why I've not found it challenging. Because they have faith that if Jaina is getting it, there has to be some substance to this person. Right. She has to have worn, or they have seen me wear the label probably months before the show. So if I pay for it and I own it and I have it in my wardrobe, you have to have faith that I'll be getting something amazing to you. Absolutely, you know? no, no. I think it's a very sharp business acumen to understand who's your right target audience and accordingly kind of for. Develop a philosophy also towards it that this is it. This is what I kind of right, right, right. right. So, Gaurav, I kind of read and heard about your Swarovski collaboration once upon a time. You know, so could you kind of highlight on that? What was Swarovski collaboration, and how did you kind of manage that? So, we were approached by Swarovski India, which is based in Delhi. So, they had this new product, which was a yarn which had crystals in it, and they wanted somebody to use it in terms of so generally with. So Roski, which you get, I which is hot press, hmm. all of the embroideries in it. Hmm. So nobody is really they didn't know what to do with the thread. Correct. And it was very expensive. It came all of it came from Austria, and I think they were just experimenting at that time. <laughs> and they must have reached out to few other designers, some of the seniors, uh, and apparently everyone said no. Okay. Because so Roski is the extreme opposite of what let's say generally we have uh, what handloom stands for in a way. Hmm. Uh, hmm. In a traditional sense, and I rather got excited. I thought, okay, it's a new thing to work with, and I was not really again thinking the commercial side of it. I think I was only interested more in the what are the possibilities, how can you do it, and actually, at some level, we were thinking commercially also because I think it was possibly a little, I think, way ahead of its time. So this was I think 2012. Wow. And there is a documentary called Koyam Iskandi, and I remember I was in London at that time and. At Victorian Albert Museum, there was a show called Postmodernism. Hmm. So in the show, there's a sequence called the Grid. Okay. So I had just seen the Grid, hmm. and then I had that Swarovski offer with me, and I thought this works <coughs> perfectly together. So we took one complete year to do fabrics where we had to do a lot of research and figure it out because you can't really weave it through regular. Looms or uh, not regular looms actually not the regular mechanism. Right. Okay. And also we had to work out in terms of so the garments were becoming seven lakh rupees, eight lakh rupees, wow. six lakh rupees, just a single piece. Astronomical. Yeah. 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 So we had to be very careful. We had to be very smart also with how do we put this all together. And I think it's one of my favorite lines 
which we ever did. Uh, but unfortunately, there was a lot of flack from the mainstream press uh, and industry large, in, like overall, because everyone was like, you know, you can't really use Swarovski in animals, which I don't really understand why. So, which I realized, I think everyone had a very limited. Or a very purist view of it. Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's pure. It's it's being purist now. I think it's 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 more to do with you don't understand the medium. So that's what I say that engagement. You know, it's only India where handloom has been made about all about khadi and you know all the other things. It's it's a lot more than that. Sure. Because it's something which is across the world. Anywhere you go, every country does handloom. Though we have a larger number of craftsmen, also because of the kind of country we are. But I also think it's not just about, it, it depends, like right now, you know, so we do a lot of research and development. So this is just one side of what Akaro does. And a lot of our work also is to do with the possibilities, like we recently developed these mats, so if you put water on it, it doesn't go down on the other side, so they are table mats. Again, you could only do it, I mean, you can do it on a power loom, but, and then we're using it with copper. Okay. So the kind of materials we use with handloom, you know, so the possibilities increase in terms right. of what you could do. Right. So Swarovski was one of those projects. So having said that, uh, how do you kind of, because you're working with craftsmen or artisans, would be actually a challenge training them to do that? You know? So how do you manage that part of it? I don't think we train them. I think it's a two-way process because there's always a give and take. Uh, in my case, I'm I can literally set up the loom, do everything else, so I know the entire mechanism. But we have a loom in the studio in Delhi. So one of the first things we did at Akaro was we actually started with the loom. So even if you go on my website, the first thing you see on the page is it says tour the loom. So you can actually book a tour. You can come and you can see the entire process. So we were, I only work with one master weaver who's been with me for 13 years now. And he completely understands what I do. And the kind of team we have in terms of the back end also, so in all the villages where we be, I think they all know, so we work specifically, I think it's more fun to work with people who find challenging work interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's about finding the right match actually. Yes, so we have all sorts of people in work, so, but I don't think there's any training so to speak. I think they, it's very, it's like you drive a car, you have a memory, and then in the, on the first day you need to understand and then it automatically moves. It's the same. I think all the craftsmen, they're amazing. They're very, very smart. And we don't need to tell them. They, in fact, tell us, okay, this is how you can do it. That's interesting. That's interesting. So, um, with one of the very uh, raging topics that's going on in the industry about plagiarism, you know, what's your view on it? Have you ever faced a plagiarism happening to you? Uh, that's number one. And number two. Be bold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this, this show is about all being bold, by the way. That's what I always keep telling you, as candid as possible. That's number one. So, has it ever happened to you? Two, what's your take on it in general? Whose motive is it anyway? You know, that's my question that goes on. So, see, there are two sides to it. Uh, yes, it has happened. It happens all the time. All the time, I think, right from day one. Uh, but it's fine. Uh, because if I start looking at, if I bother about that, I think I won't be able to make Free So my job is to keep making. And the infrastructure in India is not as strong right now that we could. So we literally tried because we were very hassled. I won't name the bands, but uh, there are two, three specifically like and mm. popular big brands. Sure. Uh, but then legally we can't do anything about it because A, they're much bigger. One of them is much bigger infrastructure. It's 
almost like a high street sure. uh, retail chain, but in a high fashion. So, uh, so there is a lot of struggle with that, and also the understanding of what are the mechanisms, what are the. So we went for patenting once for one of our fabrics, sure. uh, and then what we were told by the team, the lawyers, was completely almost something opposite that these are the things which we didn't do, so we were late. So, okay. Okay. And then there is, so you have to pro protect your work in terms of there are design rights, there are copyrights. So there are a lot of processes that processes are available to you. Yeah. And now it's getting easier. So FDCI recently did a master class on the copyright laws and all that in Delhi. I think just two weeks back. Hmm. So uh, the talk is available on YouTube. If somebody wants to go, they can they can also hear it. And second was what you say, whose motive it is anyways. So see, there are two very varied philosophies and narratives. Now, I don't buy that. So everyone says there is nothing original. A lot of people mm. say that. Mm. Even they say nothing is original. Yeah. I actually beg to differ. Okay. I don't think there is, I do think there is a lot of stuff which is original. Because if you, so I, the, the point of being trained as a designer, that to three design schools internationally, is that you learn your processes. I'll give you a very small example. Take any time in terms of, let's say today is 7th of August, right now it is almost 3 o'clock. So if you stop this time in terms of a second, mm. so let's say if I say it's 2 o'clock, it's 2.59 and 30 seconds. Okay. And if you go outside with a camera, you take a picture of a leaf, mm. it will never be seen ever again. Because the whole idea of time is that there is, it keeps changing, right? It's not constant. So the way the wind is that time, the light, is, even it will be very microscopic, a naked human eye will not be able to notice it. Sure. So it changes. So yeah. it's the same thing. So if I am doing something with my head, you know, it's like two people cannot cook the same dal. Right. Right. There will always be some difference. It's an expression of your Yeah. So, so when we are doing something which is very process driven, which has most of our collections take almost something two years now to make. So every collection is year, year and a half, two years. And a lot of our work is not referred also borrowed. So when I say referred or borrowed, I would say the, the ideas are very abstract on what I work. Uh, because there are a lot of instances where you say we are working on, let's say, a certain kingdom or we are working on some, let's say, uh, some royalty like Raja Raju Verma. You know, I again won't give you the name of designers, but pick up Raja Raju Verma's book. Look at the sarees and then you would see the amount of textile which is done around it. Yeah. Obviously that's not original, it's definitely inspired but it's again I'm not saying they've not done a good job. They've done a great job. Again take, I think, skills to develop something. Sure. But uh, for example, one of the projects which, uh, it's the Sorosky project, yeah. for yeah. example. Yeah. There is no reference. So also no reference point yeah, for anything like that. That's completely original. Yeah, so you can't say that there is nothing original. No, we get that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so I think it's it's. And then the third thing is to give the credit, due credit to where the thing belongs, okay. which is very evident and very very relevant to the Indian craft and textile sector. So one of the examples is a lot of designers say we invented this technique. Yeah. So some some old. Uh, fabric which yeah. is always existing, you know, they would say it's us who did this. Yeah. You know, way to do this. This is something called there is now the government has got something called a GI tag, which I always talk about, and also there is something uh, a 
friend of mine in Romania, in your just started. So yeah, so she calls it future of culture. Where Monica, Monica, uh, Monica. Monica, yeah, Monica Mosse. Yes, so Monica started that, which is to do with this. And so yeah, I think it's very very important. You have to give the credit also to you. Sure, sure. What do you think about it? See, um, I feel. Um, Plagiarism has been there since time immemorial, and I think it's going to be there. Instagram has sort of made it very easy now to call out the person and shame the person who's also doing it. And also to copy, exactly, Instagram is, and Pinterest. Pinterest, Pinterest Instagram, these things are boards. Yeah, mood boards, right? So I, I feel that, um, I mean, look at Zara. Yeah. Such a successful high street label. Yeah. How many lawsuits? Have they fine. been slapped, you know, with, with all of these international designers who are fine and couture and all. And uh, Zara saying that, listen, you know, I nobody can afford what you see walking, going down the runway. I am loosely interpreting, taking inspiration <coughs> and making it call, available to sure. everyone. And they say yeah. it's not a copy, right? Sure. So I feel, um, I am no one to opine on whether it's right or wrong, but I will tell you that in today's market, in, the, the capitalism and everything that exists, I think this is the way to go. I mean, you're bigger, it will always you can get away. Yeah. It will always exist. And if you're big, you can get away with a lot of things. Sure. See, so there, that's there for there sure. Is, there is another one of the things is, you know, it's fine if you don't copy, copy. You know, it's your, nobody can stop you. Yeah. But I also think it's not sustainable. You want to copy, then we were in this other talk, and this friend of mine also, actually, he said this. So he said, uh, copy the process. Hmm. If you're actually copying the whole thing, it's not sustainable. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. No, I, I, I also I feel copying is not allowed. It's so not allowed. It is cheating. Yeah. Now, yeah. Right. So don't stand under the garb of over this and that. You know the tags that people use. Yes. yes. But loosely inspired, like you said, where's the motive from? Like there are these peacocks, you know, which have been there in our traditional uh, textiles, yes. and then suddenly some designer wakes up and says, but I made the peacock first. Yeah, like, no, you did not. <laughs> so, uh, Rohit Bal controversy was so big, yeah. you know, just yeah. about the simple technique of Correct. stitching. Correct. I mean, it's been there since forever. He's done it probably before everybody else, but that does not probably make the case, right? Absolutely. So, I think the fashion fraternity is just about evolving in terms of understanding. Yeah what is like where do you need to shame or where right. you're not kind of right to kind of right. evolve right. and i think uh, cultural intellectual property would be kind of the way to go fashion is also as an industry very insecure yeah mm -hmm. it is it is you know it's it's not going in the right direction so i think indian fashion is not even mediocre it's below mediocre so no, we would like to believe people like you are making a real difference and <laughs> we would like to give that credit to you and I'm sorry but the time is already running out and I would love to carry on more conversation especially with you Jaina since you kind of uh, are from Ahmedabad we hope to do the show again with you at the length but Gaurav it was like really really interesting speaking to you. And uh, I hope the dialogues that have happened today will inspire more people to at least start talking, you know, whether it is right, whether it is wrong, the copying business, the plagiarism, or go beyond your norm core and push the envelope to do something really more interesting rather than just going back to the past and nostalgia. Yeah. Right, Gaurav?
Thank you.